This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Iron. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established Fast Podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Blake Level. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and we're back here to discuss uh, some of the action from Week 13 in the NFL. Still three games yet to be played as we're recording this uh, early on Monday afternoon. Uh, Dylan, another uh, very strange week in the NFL uh, with some of these games and the way they played out, uh, but a very eventful week uh, at the same time, I think, uh, as you look around at some of these games. And uh, we will just go ahead and jump right in here because uh, we both uh, decided to pick our game of the week as the Rams and the Cardinals. Well, I don't. I think probably compared to some of the other games, not quite uh, maybe the game of the week, um, mm-hmm. given the strangeness and uh, absurdity of some of these other games around the, the league that we're going to talk about. But obviously a huge win uh, for the Rams as they get the 38-28 win, uh, move to 8-4. and four, And, you know, obviously that, um, you know, for, for a Kyler Murray fantasy owner, uh, that late pick six, uh, <laughs> not ideal. Um, that could have been uh, something that, that helped out a little bit more. But overall, I mean, look, we, we both picked the Rams here. We said it's hard to trust mm-hmm. the Cardinals at this point, and I think even now Cardinals fall to 6-6, six and six, Rams to 8-4. and four. Uh, This was probably the kind of win you wanted to see from the Rams here against uh, a Cardinals team, as we said, that, that's been good but uh, certainly uh, seemed to be kind of spiraling a bit here down the stretch. Yeah, they tried to add a little bit of drama with that fumble from uh, Webster on the on the punt that allowed the Cardinals to get a touchdown to uh, bring it back to within three points. But despite that, yeah, the Rams able to take control. And really, I mean, this game shouldn't have been as close as it was. They ended up, I mean, at the end of the half, they'd have the ball most of the first half. They were completely dominating in first downs, all, total yards, everything. Even by the end of the game, they almost doubled up the Cardinals in total yards, 463 to 232. Arizona was able to stick in the game, getting some stops. The Rams missing a, had the one field goal off the upright, uh, fourth down stop in the first half. But overall, I mean, they could they have to be really pleased after the effort they got last weekend. Goff looked a lot better. The offensive line not giving up a lot of pressure. We know that Goff, <laughs> if he's not under pressure, he's been pretty effective in his career. Uh, they, they were able to run the ball pretty well. By the end of the game, they started opening up some holes that weren't there early. Uh, worked out, you know, it's hard as a fantasy owner to know, and we'll get to one of these guys, uh, who's going to really, uh, with Daryl Henderson having such a big role, but it looks like Cam Akers now is the primary back. By the end of the game, uh, had that one, obviously, long run uh, himself. Obviously, Daryl had the touchdown on the long run. But nonetheless, 
uh, you have to be really happy for them. And defensively, I mean, it's the same. They end up giving up 28 points. Obviously, they are spotted with that, that one uh, fumble with some bad field position. But overall, this Rams defense still been really effective, still limiting drives. The Cardinals frustrated for a lot of the game. Only a few, well, I think it was only one completion, the long touchdown, until the last drive of the first half. Otherwise, for Kyler Murray, it was pretty crazy to see what they're able to do. And by the end of the game, yeah, that pressure uh, drove to that one uh, pick six from Troy Hill. So just overall for the Rams, a really big bounce back after, you know, getting the season sweep against the 49ers, not ideal. Now they're in prime position with the Seahawks result. Uh, they, they control their own destiny now back for the division again. And for Arizona, now you're, uh, you know, after that uh, Hail Murray play, you were six and three feeling really good. They've lost three straight and they're right in the thick. If the Niners win today, you have the Vikings at six and six, they're at six and six. The Niners could be at six and six. It's getting a little murky for the Cardinals playoff hopes. Yeah, it is. And uh, we will see if they're able to, to bounce back the rest of the way, but not ideal uh, given where they stand there. And as we said, they've, they've just not played well uh, here in recent weeks. And uh, another team uh, didn't play well. You just mentioned them. Uh, the Seahawks, uh, let's go ahead and jump into our betting locks mm-hmm. here because, uh, Dylan, I think this undoubtedly at this point is what we call the curse of the double-digit spread <laughs> because uh, you went back to the well again here by picking the Seahawks as 10-point favorites uh, against the Giants as your betting lock of the week. We both picked the Seahawks to win the game, and as we know, uh, it was the Giants scoring uh, easily one of the biggest wins of the season uh, for anyone, uh, given the race there in the NFC East, uh, where the Giants now sit mm-hmm. very pretty. As uh, I yeah. just to, to think about that, heading into the season, I think we probably would have said Cowboys, Eagles, Washington, Giants, and here we are, um, almost flipping that result uh, at this point. So. Uh, Giants 17, Seahawks 12. Uh, what do we even say about this uh, for a game that was five to nothing at halftime? Uh, Giants, of course, uh, scored the two touchdowns in the third. And man, I you know I guess we've seen some of these games from the Seahawks over the years, mm-hmm. and, but boy, this this was one that I just never thought in a million years um, that without Daniel Jones, the Giants would be able to uh, win a game. First of all, only scoring 17 points in this <laughs> game uh, and holding the Seahawks to 12. I just I never saw that coming. Yeah, only 100 passing yards for the Giants. It was a definitely a throwback kind of game in that way. Uh, For Seattle, I mean, yeah, they've struggled more on offense lately. We've seen this with Russell a bit uh, since his really hot start to the year where everyone was talking about him as an MVP candidate. That's not even in the conversation anymore uh, with some of these results the last few weeks, but also his own performance where he's just not seeing sometimes guys uh, running open early. But nonetheless, you have to give credit to the Giants, a team that, yeah, we didn't expect that before the season. Think about just going into week 10. They were one in seven. Uh, even in this division, I don't think we initially thought of them as a team that was going to be able to bust out and win four straight games like this, including, uh, you know, this obviously the uh, the cornerstone victory. The other three were against uh, teams in their division in the Bengals. Uh, but, I mean, like we said, early in the year, or at least in the middle of the season, they started playing close games against the Rams. They, they played a pretty good one against the Rams in L.A. Uh, they barely lost to Tampa Bay on that Monday night game right before this winning streak. So that things were starting to come along. And to their credit, even though, you know, it wasn't – you feel like you probably need to score more than 17 points to beat the Seahawks. To their credit, they stuck to what they knew was going to be effective, and that's running the football. 31 uh, rushes, averaging six yards per carry. Uh, able to keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands for large portions of the game. And just overall, the defense has really come together. Again, the offensive line in terms of running the ball, uh, pass blocking is still improving, but nonetheless, a pretty good run blocking offensive line the Giants. I did not exactly see that coming uh, early in the year. 
Um, but on defense, man, it's it's really been a pretty uh, impressive to see what they've been able to do. And now, yeah, that win you talk about when I talk about the football outsider uh, playoff odds, definitely different than PFF and some of the other places you'll look. They have some of those places have the Giants and, and Washington pretty even to win the division. Uh, football outsiders has Washington a huge favorite, 68 uh, percent to win the division now, a 28 percent change based on that victory. That's how big that one win with the remaining schedule really looks to and shakes out to be for the Giants. And now, uh, especially with the common opponents, uh, with all these teams pay, facing those NFC West teams, uh, yeah, man, it's going to be – and I, I think Washington still gets a crack at Seattle coming up Is that uh, in a couple of weeks. So we'll see how it goes. But for Seattle now, I, I, yeah, they, <laughs> I don't know, man. They're 8-4. and four. They still – just like the Rams, they still control their destiny in the division if they were to win out. Uh, but I don't know. They still have some easy opponents. But uh, they're not going to last too long, I don't think, in the NFC playoffs, even with all these teams – uh, that are not, you know, perfect, fi- finely polished uh, uh, units at this point. Every team seems to have a weakness. But if the Seahawks play like this, uh, they're not going to go very far. They're going to really have to pick it up on offense. And I think defensively, I, I wouldn't take this as a, you know, a really cornerstone game for that defense. They still got dominated on the ground. They only give up 17 points, but it's the Giants. You're going to be facing a lot more explosive attacks uh, and <laughs> probably giving up more points, and Seattle's going to have to keep up. Well, you went back to the well that uh, has not worked very well uh, overall this season with the double-digit no. point spreads. I went back to one that has worked for the most part, uh, and that was uh, betting against the Eagles. And sure enough, uh, it worked out again here. <laughs> Packers were uh, nine-point favorites in this one. Packers win it by two touchdowns, 30-16. to 16. Um, The Eagles are a mess. They're terrible. Um, they're 3-8-1 and one now, so we just talked about that NFC East. I mean, that's crazy to think. They're, they're two games behind the Giants at this point, uh, at yep. this point in the season, which is just uh, incredible. Uh, but uh, the Packers just keep turning along here, 9-3. and three. Pretty much every big offensive star on the Packers statistically uh, put up insane numbers. Aaron Rodgers had three touchdowns. Aaron Jones had that huge run, uh, 130 yards uh, and a touchdown on the ground. And, of course, Devontae Adams, his usual self with a couple touchdowns. Um, this was um, – this, this showed you, I mean, kind of where – where the Eagles have fallen to, uh, but at the same time, kind of where the Packers are right now in terms of, um, listen, when they're when they're good, uh, they're pretty good. And um, I think this was just another example of, hey, the Eagles are bad, and I'm not sure what's next for the Eagles. Yeah, and this could have been a bigger uh, deficit by the end of it for the Eagles. The Pack- Packers had a number of drops uh, where Aaron Rodgers like, just threw dimes down the field that weren't completed, but it didn't matter by the end of the game. Obviously, they're still able to move the ball really effectively. You mentioned that one really explosive Jones run. We talk about when he's not in there, how it's clear, you know, obviously the value of running backs, that whole conversation aside, Aaron Jones really adds another element to the Packer offense where just his ability to make those kind of breakout plays um, and keep the defense guessing a bit helps so much more when, you, when you're trying to th- set up the pass for Aaron Rodgers. Not that he def- needs that all the time, especially against a really bad Eagles secondary. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, the Packers easily could have scored. I felt like they could have scored 40 in this one. If their offense keeps clicking, it's been clicking for a few weeks. Obviously, against a really good Bears defense last week, maybe not as good as we thought. We'll talk about their game uh, in a bit. But, um, yeah, man, the Packers, I feel like you had some of these games early in the year where they're barely beating the Jaguars or middle of the season. They get blown out by the Bucks, and you're having these doubts. I don't know. It's two two pretty weak opponents in the Bears, the Eagles, the last two weeks, but their offense has looked really good. It looked good against the Colts for large portions of that game. Uh, slowed down the second half, but Packers have to be feeling good, and, you know, not the toughest schedule to close out. They, they do have to play the Titans at home, but they get the Bears, Panthers, and Lions. Otherwise, if they, can, if they can just get one loss from the Saints and win out, 
uh, they'll get that number one seed and then they're feeling, you know, if they're able to play at home and not have to worry about going to New Orleans, travel around wherever, playing a first round game, probably against an NFC West team. Uh, it, it, things get a little more clear for the Packers journey to possibly getting back to a Super Bowl. Well, we got one for one there this week on our, our betting locks. Uh, so we'll take it. And uh, I don't think Dylan's going to be going back to the double spread no. the rest of the season, uh, given the nature of our picks this year. But uh, he may be going back to the Eagles next week because uh, the Eagles play the Saints. I have no idea what that line is yet, but I'm already telling you I'm going to consider that one. I don't even know what it is. So um, that's that's something to keep an eye on. All right, our upsets of the week. One game has not been played. We both picked the 49ers to upset the Bills, um, which at the time were Bills were two-and-a-half-point favorites. So we picked the Niners. Yeah. So um, <laughs> now the Niners are favored, right? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> keep that in mind. We did pick uh, the Niners, and uh, what do you know? Uh, the betting public uh, listens to the podcast. They go in our favor here, <laughs> and all of a sudden the Niners are, are favorites. But uh, we're going to stick with that one. Uh, the other one I picked was uh, the Texans uh, against the Colts. That one did not happen. I felt pretty good about it late, though, as the Texans were kind of making their drive. Uh, but yeah. then uh, the fumble in the red zone uh, cost the Texans the chance to win it. Um, it is an, that was another strange game where uh, mm-hmm. pretty much the majority of the points scored in this game were all in the first half. Um, it was just a back-and-forth kind of first half with these two teams putting up points. And then in the second half, all you get is a safety. Um, so pretty wild game. Uh, but the Colts get the win they absolutely needed. Uh, and considering mm-hmm. we'll talk about another team in that division in a second, a huge win for the Colts. Uh, Texans, you know, not a surprise here to be at 4-8 and eight at this point in the season. But uh, that was one where, like we said, if the Colts would have lost that game, then you're probably starting to shake your head a little bit about maybe what's next mm-hmm. for the Colts. But uh, just getting that win, uh, pretty significant. Yeah, especially uh, as a division game because I believe the first yeah the first tiebreak for a division comes down to uh, division record if you're if you split the games obviously they split so now uh, the Colts still need to gain a game on Tennessee who are three and one in the division they still hold that advantage but it's huge to get that victory over Houston I thought for a while yeah they were not going to pull this one out Houston's offense looked great the first half uh, overall outgaining the Colts in the game Deshaun Watson's still been playing really good football despite. Some of the limitations around him, I, I, but nonetheless, by the end of the game, Indianapolis, they, they tend to do this uh, throughout the season. We've seen their defense struggle in the first half. Uh, we just talked about the Packer game, but you look at uh, some other games, I think the Bengals when they were down like 20-0 or something crazy. Uh, they've just they've given up a lot of points in the first half of some of these games, bear down, make adjustments, and respond in the second half. And sure enough, that's what they did. I still have questions about the Colts' ability uh, to to move the ball consistently. Um, uh, and and Philip Rivers had a decent game, but this is against Houston, uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, some big clutch plays, obviously the, the fourth down uh, touchdown pass to Jonathan Taylor, a huge one that really played a, a vital role in the end of this. T.Y. Hilton, fantasy-wise, I guess that's another good takeaway to have. He's back-to-back weeks with uh, double-digit targets. Hopefully uh, that stays the case if you have picked him up in one of your leagues. But for Indianapolis, yeah, moving forward, I they're a good team. I think they're a playoff team. A big game against the Raiders, though, next week. Uh, obviously, with all these playoff spots still in, in play, that and a lot of there's going to be at least one or two teams in the AFC that we think are probably like playoff teams for sure, like the Titans and Colts. At least for me, I kind of have been thinking of them that way. But if they lose that game, I mean, you have that tiebreaker that you lose to the Raiders. It's a big one. They still got the Steelers on the schedule, too. They have to play the Texans again. So it's, it's not a for sure a route to the postseason for Indianapolis. They're going to have to really pick it up. Um, to beat the Raiders next week. There are three-point favorites at the moment. We'll see how that line moves uh, moving forward, though. Yep, we'll see if we uh, consider that one uh, in any of our our picks next week. But before we get 
to the rest of the action uh, from week 13. Let's talk to you again about our friends over at Indeed. Uh, 2020, as we know, has reshaped how we work, and uh, it's almost over, and businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed, the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring process. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time. And then guess what? No long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, which makes Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, and uh, it's clear. Indeed can help you get the quality hire that you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed for their hiring. And right now, Indeed, offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere, so go right now, Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get to uh, the other action, and oh, what a great one to start with here. The Browns and the ti- the Titans, oh, my goodness. I don't even know. I mean, listen, <laughs> this is anyone who's ever listened to the podcast, you know my running theme with the Titans is they're really hard to trust. I don't care what they do. I don't care what they accomplish. They're really hard to trust because they're always going to have one of those games uh, somewhere along the way. Now, I picked them to win here. Dylan picked them to win. But this is like this is that Titans game that always in the back of my mind pops up uh, once every two or three years. Like there's just one of these games like this that that comes around and you're like, okay, this is what I mean when I say how do the Titans somehow wind up being you know nine and seven every year? This is the type of game why because they had no business first of all. I mean they they should have won this game, but at the same time they had no business losing this game the way they did. Look at the 41-35 score all you want. This was not a 41-35 to game. I'm sorry. Um, this game was 38-7 to at halftime for the Browns. Um, and then the Titans, you know, that furious rally to get to the 41-35 score. Uh, it was never that close. It never felt that close. Um, and this was just a complete domination from the Browns uh, for pretty much yeah. the first half. And, again, I know what the score said, but – this was as convincing to me as it gets for the Browns because they just came mm-hmm. out and just dominated the Titans here. Another team that, yeah, in terms of not really trusting the Browns throughout the season, their one signature win over the Colts. Another AFC South team, of course, here. Now this becomes their signature win. It, it Along with the Giants victory that we just talked about, this was the biggest win in terms of uh, probability added to your football or to your uh, uh, playoff odds uh, from football outsiders, 20.3%. Uh, added percentage to their playoff odds up to almost 90% to at least get a wild card spot, likely the fifth seed with Cleveland's schedule remaining. Say what you want about them, though. They, yeah, they came out firing in this game. It, it seemed clear that the Titans were determined to stop the run. They, they figured that Cleveland was going to stick to their bread and butter, especially given Tennessee's uh, run defense not exactly being uh, spectacular. And sure enough, they the, the Browns read that chess move it really felt like and let Baker Mayfield light him up but it wasn't like Baker was making throws that were you know insane I want to give him credit because he made the throws he should be making but they were there a lot of guys were open you know great protection no really uh, good pass rush we've seen from Tennessee that's been an issue all year even when Clowney 
was playing. Now he's out for the year, obviously. But even when he was out there, was not that effective this season, not compared to a season ago. And that's been a really huge element missing for Tennessee on that side of the ball. Cleveland took advantage. Credit to them. Obviously, the fumble from Derrick Henry uh, played a big role in them kind of bumping that lead up early. But, yeah, that whole first half, I mean, they were finding guys wide open down the field. Tennessee made some adjustments, but the Browns kind of were just holding on to the lead at that point. They probably could have scored more points. Tennessee's offense still, you see hit moments. I know the Browns, again, were probably, in a, you know, letting Tennessee kind of take what was underneath, taking what the will give them with that huge lead. But you see the Titans offense can just start exploding and score quickly. That's the thing that's still scary about them. I just, their defense is going to be their fatal flaw by the end of the year. Their offense has to uh, not turn the ball over and play really good football for them to, to beat some of these good teams. And now, now, just like we said, kind of with the Colts, they got kind of a tough schedule left. The Titans, maybe a little easier. Uh, they, they do have to play the Packers on the road, but they get the Lions and Jaguars the next two weeks. You think that 10 wins is probably enough in the AFC, uh, but there are there's just so many teams. It's crazy how many teams are still in the, the playoff picture. We'll talk about a couple other ones in the AFC coming up. But it's a crowded it's a crowded uh, conference. They still uh, have 77% odds to get into the postseason, but uh, no longer is the division in their hands. Uh, them and Indianapolis are uh, neck and neck now. Uh, and uh, Tennessee does have the edge in division record, but but nonetheless, that's the the one thing they have going for them. Still, some uh, that Packer game a really a tough one, and the Texans in the Week 17 not a not a gimme by any means. The Saints hit double-digit wins, uh, 21-16 victory against the Falcons. Uh, it's just not really an overly impressive game. I think we probably expected much more mm-hmm. scoring in this one. Um, just didn't happen. The Saints defense continues uh, to do some things pretty well. They kept the Falcons pretty much in check uh, for the most part there. And uh, offensively, you know, we knew there would be some things that the Falcons would allow that maybe uh, would give Taysom Hill a little bit more confidence yeah. uh, to work with in the passing game. That happened here. And, uh, you know, again, I, these divisional games, we always say it. When you have this kind of game late in the season, a uh, rematch of sorts, you, it, you feel like the game's always probably going to find a way to be uh, kind of that, you know, knockdown, dragout mm-hmm. type, type game. And that's kind of what this felt like for the most part. It felt similar to the game a, a couple uh, weeks ago. They only played uh, two weeks apart uh, from their last matchup with Atlanta. The final score a lot closer, but that just, for me, more came down to that turnover that the Saints had, uh, the Taysom Hill fumble in their own ter- deep in their own uh, in Falcons territory late in the game. Otherwise, they settle for a field goal, then you have the same 24-9 score we had two weeks ago. It really felt similar. The <laughs> defense for the Saints dominated for large portions of the game. Taysom Hill, uh, both games looked pretty effective throwing the ball, uh, able to open some things up. Uh, definitely, I think it was his highest rating, even higher than that first game against Atlanta, even though the, the stats are really similar. Uh, but, yeah, it looked best, way better than they looked for large portions uh, throwing the ball against Denver a week ago. It was obviously a really unique situation there with Denver not having a quarterback. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, the Saints defense still for me is a story that they've they've been really, really good this year. Still, uh, by the end of it, obviously Atlanta was one Hail Mary and <laughs> came pretty close with Julio Jones there. Uh, at the end to get that game-winning touchdown. But, hey, you're still 10-2, still getting victories. The Falcons still a team that is able to compete with some good teams, but uh, for the most part uh, doesn't has not come up on the – on the top side of those ones still it's going to be an interesting off season for them uh, i feel like maybe though one of the more intriguing places for uh, possible head coaches in terms of where they're looking at uh, with some of the talent that atlanta does still have matt ryan though not getting much younger <laughs> well two, two teams they're going to be competing with probably uh, we know one for sure and that's going to be the lions 
Um, but the Bears could also have a coaching change. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, there's two more that you could see there because uh, the Bears coaching situation got even more interesting uh, with the Lions getting a 34-30 to win against the yeah. Bears. The Bears led 30-20 to with about two minutes left in this game. And then Stafford makes the, the pass to Marvin Jones for the score. And then uh, the turnover, and oh, my gosh. And then Adrian yeah. Peterson runs Riddle. it in. They scored. Lions scored two touchdowns in, I want to say it was like 41 seconds, something like that. Um, and so that did it. And that was the difference in this game. Uh, after the Bears, you know, it felt like the Bears were, were starting to – I don't know, find some a bit of a rhythm there um, once they got uh, into the second quarter and then you kind of felt it going, all right, now they're up double digits. And, oh, boy, this is um, – listen, we, we talked about the Bears. All the Bears fans, they wanted credit. Um, they want to say, look, we started this, <laughs> and what's happened since? So I don't. When's the last time the Bears won a game? I don't even remember at this point. I think it was week six or at least their sixth game of the year because, yeah, they've lost six in a row now. Uh, although this is this was the first one. They had so many games early in the year where I was like, they should have lost and they figured out a way to win. This felt like one that they should have won yeah. and they figured out a way to lose uh, with the fumble. It was almost like the inverse of the uh, when they met in week one where you felt like Detroit should have won. They had a drop. And now you have this fumble from Trubisky. Uh, yeah, I mean, Mitch is, again, we said it on the preview last week, Mitch has always had his best games against the Lions, and for large portions of this game, looked pretty solid. They ran the ball the best we've seen the Bears run the ball, uh, really, in a while, uh, in terms of their efficiency there. Just couldn't close it out. Uh, the Lions, to their credit, I mean, Stafford made some really good throws. The one deep touchdown, I forget who it was, too, uh, deep down the right sideline was one of the best throws I've seen Stafford make in a, in a while, just pinpoint deep. I mean, couldn't ask for anything better. That was this kind of stuff we're used to seeing Aaron Rodgers do with the, the deep accuracy. But uh, still, they still should have lost by the end of the game. The Bears did enough on offense. They scored 30 points. You expect them to win when that happens. Just could not get it done. A game that, yeah, 64 total points, completely shattering that 44 over-under. This game took off in a way that I just did not expect. I was kind of, you know, paying attention to other games a little bit more, and then suddenly everyone just kept scoring more, and I was like, what is is happening here in Chicago? Uh, So, yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to see what the Bears do. Uh, Like you're saying, it could be a, a coaching opening. Uh, we don't really know at this point. There, it's it's crazy because they're only two years off that 12 and forward season where uh, Matt Nagy wins Coach of the Year. But man, it, it, things change quick in the NFL, and uh, this one, I, I don't know how much you can really blame him for it, but because uh, they were scoring some points, but still, definitely some question marks in Chicago moving forward. Well, the AFC South is going to define his the rest of his tenure there because uh, the games against the Texans and the Jags are probably going to be the two that decide. If they lose both of those, they're they're, they're done. They're toast yeah. uh, because they also play the Vikings and the Packers, and I just don't think we see them winning either one of those games. Wow. Um, so I think that's the problem is if – I think they got to go – they got to beat the Texans. they got to beat the Jags. Uh, if they go one and three, I, I don't know how they can – I don't know. I, I, if I'm Matt Nagy, I don't, I don't feel very good about things if I go one and three the rest mm-hmm. of the way. I think i got to beat the Texans. i got to beat the Jags. So, um, or, of course, if you beat the Packers. But then again, at that point, maybe that game doesn't mean anything. And um, is that really a victory that matters? So, uh, who knows? Yeah. But, uh, man, the Bears, it looks like I was running down the scores here. They're – Ten of their 12 games have all been one-score games, whether wins or yeah. losses. Uh, it's pretty crazy to think. But you know what? Sorry, quarterback, man. Sorry, quarterback position is so important. Um, they just, in one-score games, like they just don't have the confidence in their offense to be able to, to win games like that. So, oh, man, the Bears, uh, what a story they've been for sure. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, they're my story, as we know. <laughs> uh, 
they're they're my story of the year because so the Dolphins are now eight and four after a nineteen to seven win against the Bengals. Most importantly, they covered the eleven and a half point yes. spread. Uh, a beautiful <laughs> reminder that um, that great teams cover. Uh, so the Dolphins are eight and four. Um, yeah, and that was uh, pretty much you know dominated this game. I'd say for the most part after the Bengals got that mm-hmm. early touchdown, Tyler Boyd. But uh, beyond that, uh, I know we had a couple of injections, but I thought Tua actually mm-hmm. played pretty well here. Uh, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but uh, I think he recovered, played pretty well. Miles Gaskin returned. That helped the Dolphins. Yeah. But, man, their defense just, just turning people over. And as we talk about the difference in some of these close games, when you have a defense that can literally turn someone over every single game, uh, that can make a big difference. And here the Dolphins are 8-4 and four and sitting pretty pretty in a good spot, I guess, heading into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they should have. They could have won by more points, settled for a lot of field goals in, in the red zone. That's one thing they'll have to clean up against better teams. But, yeah, it's the, the defense is still so dominant, holding the Bengals under 200 yards. That's the story for the Dolphins this whole season. Uh, really, the defense and special teams have been spectacular, and it's why they're in a great position to get into the postseason. We talked a little bit before the podcast. They do have a pretty tough end of the schedule. They still have to play in Buffalo. They get the Chiefs next week. The other two games against the Patriots and Raiders, two teams knocking on the door of the of the playoffs. So it's going to be, regardless of what happens, I feel like this has been a successful season for the Dolphins, whether they get in or not. I hope they're able to find a way just to at least get into the postseason, winning the division. They need some help with Buffalo and, and their division record and things like that. But nonetheless, for Miami, yeah, man, it was uh, definitely a really fun team to watch. My, and, yeah, you talk about Miles Gaskin. I know not exactly a superstar. Fantasy owners know him pretty well. But his vision running the ball is something that Miami the last few weeks I feel like kind of missed. I've Just watching him, it's really impressive to see his ability to wait for the hole to open, see the things happening in front of him. A really effective runner for them. Uh, Gusecki, another big game for him. Even it's, They figure out ways to, in this game, yeah, Gusecki with 11 targets, no one else in double digits. They, they figure out ways as an offense, too, even though they didn't uh, score as many points as you want in the red zone. They're, they're able to change and mold to, the, to, whoever, to whoever they're facing. Uh, Cincinnati, not exactly the most impressive opponent. We'll see, though, against the, the Chiefs, how they, they plan it. Uh, obviously, as we get to that Chiefs-Broncos game, Denver showed a formula to kind of keep it close. It do have to have a really good defense. Miami does, so maybe they do have a shot to upset the Chiefs next week. Yep, we will see. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big one. If the Dolphins get that win, then we're really talking about the Dolphins um, mm-hmm. as the potential new sponsor here on the podcast <laughs> uh, other than the, the AFC South. So, uh, we'll see what happens there with the Dolphins and Chiefs, but uh, the Vikings uh, got themselves a win to move to 500 and uh, talk about adventurous ways to get a win. Uh, we got a we got a couple here in a row. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Jags are one and eleven. They they did everything they could to try to to stay right there for Trevor Lawrence, but uh, as we know, they were one upped. Uh, here by the game we're going to talk about next. But uh, mm-hmm. the Vikings, uh, again, they win the game. Not impressed with the Vikings at this point. They're just th- These are the kind of things that, you know, they struggle. First half was a huge struggle. And then, you know, to, for the Jags even being positioned to push this game to overtime, uh, any way you slice it, like it just feels like the Vikings, just something has been missing this year. Um, as, as impressive as Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, of course, Adam Thielen, uh, there's just still this team is not what they thought they were, and even at six and mm-hmm. six, if, if they were to make the playoffs, uh, they're they're that team you're certainly circling and saying I, there's no way I'm trusting this team. 
yeah, they still uh, talk about Miami, uh, but Minnesota in a much worse spot at six and six compared to Miami's eight and four, but still has a tough schedule remaining. Uh, similarly, uh, we mentioned the Bears game, which we feel like the Vikings should win, but I don't know, man. The last few weeks, they lose to the Cowboys, beat the Panthers and Jags by the skin of their teeth. They also have to play in Tampa and in New Orleans. Obviously, if they find a way to beat Tampa, getting that tiebreak could be huge for them to get in the postseason. But yeah, that's going to be a really uh, tough uphill battle for them to get that one and that Saints game on Christmas. Christmas Day, uh, definitely going to be a really tough one as New Orleans hopes to close out the one seed. So for Minnesota, yeah, I mean, they they do some good things on offense. They've been able to, you know, they're still able to put up some points, but uh, some turnovers, uh, just, it's, it's like you said, something's missing. The defense definitely is uh, not the defense we're used to seeing under Mike Zimmer, giving up almost 400 yards to Mike Lennon. Uh, man, it's 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 not something that uh, you want to uh, be impressed with. Five yards per carry for Jacksonville as well. They're able to move the ball pretty well. So, yeah, this game ended up not one I considered as a possible game of the week, but ended up being one of the more exciting finishes, I guess, uh, of the week with a couple missed uh, long field goals for each team in regulation. And then uh, Minnesota able to, to cap it off with that turnover at the end with the, the, the Harrison Smith interception saving the Minnesota. So, yeah, they're, they're still in the playoff picture, but at this point, with that schedule, they're going to have to, to pull some some stuff out of their hat because, man, it's uh, – I don't know. It's just going to be a really tough uphill battle. I'd feel more comfortable with that last uh, playoff spot at this point, likely going to either Arizona or San Francisco. Well, the most exciting finish of the week and perhaps the most significant finish of the week yes. uh, came <laughs> via our next game, which was the Raiders and the Jets. Yeah. I told you I would like to go back and hit replay. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, but this feels like a game where I could totally see the Raiders mm-hmm. losing this game, and sure enough, they had every reason to lose this game. There's no reason the Raiders should have won this game, uh, <laughs> unless you consider the fact that Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator. Uh, key word there was, because he's not anymore. Yes. He's been fired since. But um, to, to do what they did, I, I said it immediately after. That's literally, in watching sports, that is one of the worst play calls I've ever seen if a team is wanting to win a game. However, if you're a team that wants to lose, that might be the greatest play call in the history of of sports because (laughs) that was something that I just could not fathom that they were going to do, Um, especially to have someone like Henry Ruggs, who, as we said, like when he came into the league, this guy was going to be one of the fastest receivers probably in the league just in terms of what he can do. And then just to like have that situation play out the way that it did, unbelievable that uh, this is why the Jets are the Jets. There's, I don't see them winning a game the rest of the year after that, especially. Yeah. Um, but I guess the Raiders are seven and five. But oh my goodness, I just, I don't even know what you say. Even if the Raiders make the playoffs, like we're always yeah. going to be thinking back to this game, like oh my goodness, they they should have lost to the Jets. It, it would have been perfect in that we would have had the, the Raiders being the one team that beat the defending champion Chiefs, and also the uh, one team that lost to the Jets, which would have been a perfect combination. But no, the the drama that I really enjoyed was it was that the game we just talked about, Jags and Vikings coming down to the wire, and then this one at the same time, and you have all these jersey swaps that uh, Field Yates and people are like throwing out, like here, uh oh, here's Trevor Lawrence in the Jags jersey <laughs> now, but maybe they'll win too. Yep. Um, obviously, both teams have done what they've done all year, uh, finding ways to lose. Uh, for the yeah, for the Raiders, it's a huge. I mean, it, it saved their season in terms of their playoff. Chances they they get the Chargers and Broncos still in the schedule teams they, they should take care of business against we'll we'll see about that but nonetheless they control their destiny in that they play the Colts and Dolphins otherwise both at home two teams are competing with for playoff spots so this very much saved uh, their chances of getting into the postseason I don't know what they'd be able to do when they get there 
with that defense and the offense that has not been as consistent turning the ball over quite a bit, even against teams like the Jets. Uh, but yes, that play called uh, ESPN stats and info and some other places uh, tweeted out uh, these stats on that on that play call. It was literally unprecedented, like you said, in terms of uh, <laughs> if you're trying to lose, it's the perfect call. Uh, there have been this is the stat that ESPN stats and info put out there: 252 pass plays in the last 15 years meeting the criteria of it being the final 15 seconds with uh, the you know with a lead of four to eight points and 40 plus yards uh, from uh, where the plays run to the end zone. And they're the first team that threw six pass rushers in that situation but not only did they send six they sent seven uh so they, it's a complete yeah. jailbreak blitz and uh, take, i mean mm. i guess to Derek carr's credit he's able to step up in the pocket and make that pass but just i mean that's like the only way you could lose that game really like the raiders are gonna have to you know lateral the ball a bunch if you just sit back in a prevent defense they had no timeouts left so unless you let them get out of bounds i guess that's possible but man it it was it was brutal uh for the jets but it, i guess it did kind of save their uh for jets fans a conflicted feeling because you you do want to get trevor lawrence i'm not positive if they had one who would be in the one seed right now between them and jacksonville i'm more interested usually in playoff tiebreakers when i look at those i've not really <laughs> looked often at the draft tiebreakers i need to brush up on my knowledge of them because that would have been really interesting, a lot going on. But nonetheless, the Jets find a way to do what they do best, lose. And like you said, they, they get the Rams still on their schedule. They get the Seahawks, uh, who even with the Seahawks, uh, despite their last game, they're, they're opening as 13.5-point favorites over the Jets. Then they get the Browns and Patriots. I think 0-16 is definitely uh, looking more and more likely at this point for New York. Yep, I think so too. Just uh, what a what a debacle. And uh, we spent a lot more time than we thought we would on Raiders and Jets, but we're not spending much time at all on this next one because this was not much to talk about at all. Uh, the Patriots win 45 mm-hmm. to nothing against the Chargers. Uh, what a, like this is you talk about being on brand. Like this was a Chargers game that we Dylan talks about. Yeah, you know, I talk about the Titans. Dylan talks about the Chargers. Uh, both hit this week. Like we we both hit the you know cha-ching there because uh, these are the two running themes. Is these teams have these games that you have no idea how this happens, but I have, I would have, I mean, I even like considered the Chargers defense in fantasy this week. I was like, oh, this could be, could be yeah. a potential pickup here. And if I'd have done that, like, I don't know what I'd be doing right now, but it's like 45, nothing unbelievable. Uh, Patriots get a couple touchdowns, non-offensive touchdowns uh, from special teams, uh, just a complete uh, obliteration here at the Chargers. Only the Chargers could lose a game 45-0 in this fashion, too, though. They barely got outgained in total yards against the Patriots in this game. They only had 33 more yards for the Pats by the end of it. No page, They only threw for 126 yards. Uh, no player had more than 38 <laughs> receiving yards, and it was uh, one uh, long touchdown. Otherwise, no, yeah, no one had more than uh, three receptions. James White, three receptions for one yard. It was ridiculous how the Chargers managed to give up that many points. I guess that's what happens when you give up a punt return touchdown. Uh, obviously, the, the blocked field goal is the, the main highlight that everyone's going to remember. Uh, the long field goal after missing one earlier in the game, and that one gets blocked, return for the touchdown. Uh, yeah, man, it was a comedy of errors. It's a couple picks thrown by Herbert. They have they've regressed and it's it's sad because i mean they were losing games early in the year uh in, in, in tragic fashion and everyone's like oh man i, I keep losing one score games when are they going to start uh you know finding a way to win these instead they've just gone down the op- opposite way where they're just getting blown out uh now at three and nine it they're you know, it looks like Anthony Lynn, that uh, at least the Ian Rappaport reported, they're going to look at the body of work, uh, you know, making a decision on him after this season. They, yeah, they just similar to the Bears. They went 12 and four just two years ago. We kind of forget because the Chiefs still won the division, but 
the Chargers had a really good season, were able to beat the Ravens in the playoffs. How they've fallen despite having what appears to be a franchise quarterback uh, now in the last couple of years is pretty staggering and not sure where they go. But for the Pats, uh, now it's a short week. It's going to be a tough game against the Rams. But if they find a way to get an upset win there, uh, then they're feeling okay about their playoff chances. They they control their destiny too. They play the Dolphins, as we mentioned. They get the Jets still and the Bills. So they, I mean, hey, uh, credit to the Pats, the team that looked uh, when they barely beat the Jets. It was like there's no way this team's going to come back. They, you know, they get they lose to the Texans, uh, but they've they've found a way to beat some good teams. They beat the Ravens. They beat the Cardinals. Not that the Chargers are a good team, but hey, to to win a, win this game handily, New England's still definitely in the thick of things. All right, and we wrap up with uh, Chiefs-Broncos. Chiefs 22, Broncos 16, uh, Travis Kelsey, obviously a monster game. Uh, He's the talk coming out of it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, throws for over 300 yards again, not a surprise. My guy, Melvin Gordon, uh, how about Mm -hmm. that? I thought fantasy-wise I've been benching him for weeks now, and then he comes out here and uh, goes for 130 yards on the ground. Uh, But, uh, you know, was the Chiefs' best game, but uh, another win for the Chiefs, uh, 11-1 here and uh, just kind of moving right along. Yeah, definitely wasn't the prettiest win. They settled for a lot of field goals in the red zone. That's one thing they got to clean up. But, I mean, yeah, they still have Patrick Mahomes. Still felt like even when they had the touchdown that Tyreek Hill didn't know he caught the ball in that crazy bounce there uh, in the first half. And then the Denver responds with a quick touchdown after that. You still didn't feel like Kansas City was going to find a way to lose this game. Their defense uh, was able to make the plays by the end of it. But you do see somewhat the formula to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. As you mentioned, Melvin Gordon had a huge game just overall. 33 rushes for almost 180 yards uh, 180 yards for Denver. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what Miami and other teams continue to employ with their attacks and their plans against uh, Kansas City. Their pass defense much better than their rush defense, still ranking uh, down at the bottom and DVOA. Uh, defending the run but it's yeah it's still 11 and 1 still have Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day um and yeah hopefully for the you know the Chiefs will clean up in the their performance in the red zone because if they do that then there's really no stopping them even in this game and we got the, they get the Dolphins next week and then the Saints so two tough games that Saints game is going to be a lot of fun in a couple of weeks I hope they move that one back to Sunday night because uh, that yeah that could be a Super Bowl preview we have coming up Good indeed. Uh, between those two, uh, those two can certainly put up some points. Uh, we know that. But uh, that was all the action that uh, we've seen thus far. As we said, uh, Bills and 49ers still to play um, as we're recording this, uh, as is the case for the Steelers in Washington and the Cowboys and Ravens who will play on Tuesday. But uh, before we wrap up, Dylan, as always, uh, some quick thoughts on the fantasy situation and the waiver wire pickups uh, for the week here as uh, most people, I think, getting ready to head into some playoff yeah. action. Um, so uh, I've gotten two here, and really these are the only two that I'm even looking at and saying, all right, these are two that I, I could maybe see myself prioritizing here one in particular and I think that's Kiki QT um, for the mm-hmm. Texans because as we said uh, with Will Fuller out now Brandon Cooks uh, I think uh, you know ultimately he, re- he re-entered but still with concussions you don't really know about that so um, I think I would pick up Kiki QT easily uh, because he's pretty much the best choice for Deshaun Watson yeah. and while I don't you know, suggest this not knowing what they're going to do. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, the Eagles are <laughs> certainly in a position where they are have nothing to play for, um, and I could totally see them making the switch here. Even if it's not this week, uh, the last two weeks of the season, the Eagles are going to play the Cardinals and the, and the Cowboys, which are two defenses uh, that I think they may have to throw a lot or at least use Jalen Hurts running, mm-hmm. passing, and such. Uh, so those are two guys I, I would keep an eye on. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about Jalen Hurts that much. That's the big conversation, <laughs> obviously, for Eagles fans and Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio this morning, I'm sure. 
we're going over how Jalen looked. He threw that one pick, but uh, for large portions, made some decent throws, had one deep pass right on the money, which is not something we've seen from the Eagles passing offense a lot this year. So, yeah, fantasy-wise, some weak opponents, if you really need them, could be a good pickup, like, as you mentioned. I mentioned uh, earlier with the Rams, Cam Akers clearly looks like he's going to be the number one running back for the Rams now. I, I, it's It's two straight weeks where he's been the primary guy. Um, so if you really need a running back, hopefully you don't. But if you need some depth, uh, he's only owned in 35% of ESPN leagues. So he could be a good pickup. I think you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned uh, Kiki Cutie. I mean, that's got to be one of the top ones because, man, they, they're still going to be throwing the ball a lot. They're still, as, you, as you're saying, Deshaun's playing so well. Uh, I think, yeah, that's he's as strong as there is of a pickup. Uh, for the receivers, I would maybe put, as I mentioned, T.Y. Hilton. He's still just 50 less than 50% of the league's owned. His targets have just been skyrocketing the last three weeks. Uh, so, nonetheless, uh, that there's some guys that are still available in some leagues. Uh, in deeper leagues, he's probably owned at this point. Uh, Tim Patrick, a decent one. I picked him up in, our, uh, in one of my leagues. I have not played him, but uh, his target share has been really high for Denver. He's clearly has chemistry with Drew Locke. Uh, they're still going to be throwing the ball a decent amount. Uh, so still maybe a guy to, to keep an eye on, but I think those are probably the main ones. Don't want to go too far off because at this point with the postseason starting, hopefully you feel pretty good about your roster. You have um, the tight end, I guess, Tyler Higby. You could put him in there. He's been getting banged up at certain points, but the Rams still trying to get him the ball when he's out there. Uh, so at least one decent option there uh, on that side of the ball. Yep, and if you have uh, roster space, backup running backs on good teams, uh, always keep an eye on those guys at this time of year mm-hmm. because uh, they could get some work. Um, so if there are guys out there uh, on good teams, uh, teams that are playing or maybe getting ready to lock up playoff spots here pretty soon, um, keep an eye on the, those guys too. I, I would definitely suggest uh, looking at that situation there. Uh, but that, again, Dylan, uh, wraps it up uh, for this week's action. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we've got a lot of great stuff going on over Clutch Points. Uh, where everybody can keep up with everything going on in the NFL, NBA, and much more. Yeah, you can follow the two NFL games today. By the time you listen, uh, you'll probably be uh, already Tuesday, so you'll have the Cowboys-Ravens game. You can follow that in the Clutch Points app. You can follow all the NBA preseason games, which are coming up before we know it here. Um, and then the start of the NBA season, all those games you can follow in the app. All of our uh, editorial content, content, all of our articles, all our news coverage, everything you can find in the app as well as in ClutchPoints.com. Go to the NFL section on the site, search Fantasy Football for all of our fantasy content. We'll have our waiver wire pickup article going up uh, around the time this podcast will be coming out on Tuesday morning. A lot more fantasy content to go and a lot of takeaways from all these games, a lot of valuation of the playoff pictures yeah everything's starting to kind of come together but still a lot of drama a lot of playoff spots uh, up for grabs at this point yep we love drama here on the podcast uh which is why we love the asc south but yeah check everything out over clutch points and again subscribe to the podcast any podcast after you can find us there uh thanks as always to the fine folks at blue wire for all that they do and thank you as always for listening we'll talk to you guys next time here on the establish the past podcast Let's tell you about Bet Online. Football is in full swing, and while you may not be out of game the rest of the year, you can still be on the action at Bet Online. 
Bet online going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championship futures all day, every day. All you got to do, head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And don't forget, use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. <laughs> 